Welcome back to another edition of our Four Questions Journalist Spotlight. We are talking today with Jewel Wicker, and uh, I'm going to let Jewel talk a little bit about what she does because she's got all kinds of fun things that she is working on. And uh, just kind of set the stage, Jewel is a, a freelance journalist, uh, which means she's working on all kinds of different publications. And uh, good morning, Jewel. Good morning. So give me, give me a feel first for what is your background? How did you get into this, and, and where have you worked kind of previously? Yeah, so I'm a freelance entertainment and culture reporter. Um, I kind of stumbled into journalism, started a music blog because people got tired of me talking about music when I was in high school. By the time I got to college, I found out, oh, this is a thing that I could actually study and turn into a career. I thought I wanted to go into music, but I wasn't good at playing any instruments, couldn't sing, couldn't rap, uh, and I don't have the patience to be a music manager. And so I kind of figured out that this was my way of being in entertainment without actually having to (laughs) be a performer (laughs) myself. Um, And so that's kind of how I got into it. I started out um, as an entertainment reporter in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, after I graduated from Georgia State. And then about a year and a half after that, I moved back home to Atlanta um, and was an entertainment reporter for the AJC for, again, about a year and a half. Um, And then I went freelance. I've been freelance for three years this month. Woo, three years. All right. So who who uh, who do you work for generally and who do you work for once in a while? Yeah, so um, some of my regular clients are, um, I still write for the AJC semi-regularly. I write for Atlanta Magazine pretty regularly. Teen Vogue is one of my regular clients. Billboard is one of my regular clients. Um, I've also done some work for um, Vice, for the LA Times, for the Hollywood Reporter, um, the Wall Street Journal, magazine publications such as that. So So a good variety. So is, is there a, a publication that you you have on your list of, I want to write for them, I just need to sell them in on a good story? Um, I mean, everybody wants to have their first piece in the New York Times. So, you know, that's that's definitely a goal of mine. Um, okay. But uh, also, I don't know, I would say the more that I've been freelancing, I, of course, care about the publication. But I think having a good editor um, is more important sometimes than the name of the publication. Because sometimes if you don't have a great editor and you're working for a big name, the story might not come out as, as great as it could. So, so, so when you say you always, need a, Yeah, so when you say you need a good editor, what, what do you, you mean? You need a good editor to find you those opportunities? Well, no, not necessarily to find those opportunities, but whether I'm pitching or getting in assigned a story, I write a lot about entertainment and culture. I'm here in Atlanta, so I write a lot about Atlanta. I write a lot about black culture because I'm in Atlanta and that's very popular here. Um, And so working with an editor who, you don't have to be an expert in these topics, but who makes my work better without diluting it or making it um, different than I I think my tone or or something that I kind of know my readers and what they're looking for. So um, diluting it in a way that would make it feel inauthentic. You don't want an editor that's going to change your voice Right. Make it, make it not you. Yeah. You, exactly. You, exactly. Yeah. You, you want someone to, to understand that, you know, when they're reading a story that's a jewel story, that they get, they feel like this is a jewel story. Same, same exactly. with a lot of other writers. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, I love being edited. 
it I think it's weird when I turn in a piece and an editor does it <laughs> rip it to shreds. I'm like, no, rip it to shreds. I, I would love to be edited. But at the same time, trust me as the expert on the topic that you're hiring me to write about. So don't go make change, making changes that you think is right because sometimes it's not. Um, and so kind of, you know, that balance. Is there a, a story that you've written lately that you're really proud of? You thought, man, I, I really kicked it with that one. I lo love that I was able to do this. Um, that's a good question. I'm working on a lot of stories right now that I'm really excited about that haven't come out yet. Um, but I got my first byline in the LA Times a few weeks ago, and that was really exciting. I would say my favorite piece that I've written within the past month um, around the time that protests started happening and they were going on here in Atlanta, I wrote an op-ed for Atlanta Magazine that looked at kind of the conundrum of um, celebrity activism, uh, specifically in Atlanta. There's this idea that Atlanta is Wakanda, um, which is like the the utopia from um, Black Panther. Black Panther, yeah. Um, yeah. I kind of looked at it as, you know, Atlanta certainly does have, it, it's certainly a city where you can have upward mobility as a black person, but Atlanta's also one of the um, top cities for income inequality. And so like when we call Atlanta Wakanda, sometimes we're ignoring some very real issues that exist here. Um, and I wanted to make sure that we highlighted that as well as the success that goes on in the city. You had a story in, was it Teen Vogue a couple months ago? That, that was really good. What, what, was, remind me, what, what was the topic of that one? Was it? I write a lot for Teen Vogue. <laughs> Shoot, I can't remember because I remember there's there's maybe it was your uh, first one. Jalea? was it the one on Jalea? Yeah, I mean, I think it was. Popcar? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It might have been that. That was a big feature that I did. It was right around the time. I mean, because I remember I, I that was the last interview that I did in person um, before the pandemic started. Um, and so, just to give context, I write a lot for Teen Vogue. I write for them sometimes several times a week. Um, but the Jalea okay. is a bigger feature. Um, yeah. and so that was one of the last ones that I did before everything kind of shut down. And it came out, I want to say in April. Um, but it focused on a TikTok star. She lives right outside of Atlanta. Um, she created this dance that ended up going viral. Artists like Lizzo and A-Rod, um, celebrities like A-Rod, ended up doing the dance. And she was literally going in the comments being like, I made this and nobody believed her because she didn't have a lot of <laughs> um, And she was kind of frustrated because she was like, I made this dance. No one's giving me credit for it. No one knows that I made it. And um, she ended up getting a feature in the New York Times about it, which was pretty awesome. And so I went and I did a feature on her, just how she was adjusting to that um, newfound fame, um, what her goals are beyond TikTok, because she wants to be a real dancer. She wants to be a choreographer. And just kind of looking at... Um, what it's like when artists, because a lot of times they don't get credit. You know, a lot of times they just, it slips under the radar and they just hope they get them next time. But what happens when somebody actually does get the credit that they, that they right. deserve? Right. Uh, so you, you kind of touched on this, but, uh, you know, as an entertainment reporter, you know, reporting has obviously changed a bit in the last couple of months. How, how has that affected how you're able to get into your stories? Um, it's hard. I would say April and May were really slow months for me. I mean, just everything pretty much screeched to a halt. Mm -hmm. um, and then June protests started happening. And then all of a sudden, my inbox just started to blow up again. And it's been really busy for me ever since. Um, I would say that, you know, obviously, I'm not covering concerts. I'm not covering festivals. I'm not going out to interview people in person in the way that I would. But a lot of the cultural stories that I typically would write, are still the same, right? So I'm working on a story now um, 
about, um, I'm working on a piece that's coming. Well, I worked on it in February. It's coming out um, soon. It's about the black, the only black owned, the only black only beach in um, Georgia. It was segregated beach in near Jekyll Island. It's called St. Andrew's Beach. um, And it was only open for, I want to say about a decade. It wasn't open long before the beaches were um, integrated. But the history of that and telling the story of how Otis Redding and a lot of popular artists actually ended up coming through and performing on this beach that only had one motel was the restaurant there, you know, and it's a little known part of Georgia history that I think sometimes we don't know. I mean, I'm from here and I didn't know about it. Yeah. Um, I I hadn't heard about that. There's, there's a lot of Georgia history that people. Yeah. (laughs) And so, I mean, it was, it was really interesting. And I think it, I think it got looked over for two reasons. One, a lot of the mainstream publications at that time weren't writing about it. A lot of the black publications did, but then two, because it only existed for such a short period of time, you know, it yeah. kind of got lost. And unfortunately, now a lot of the people who were involved with it as artists or as um, kind of the people who were rallying to get the money to make this happen or, you know, pushing for the Black people to have a part of the beach, they died. And so right. sometimes right. the stories, unfortunately, go with them. What was the what were the years that that was open? It was in the 60s. I would have to look to give you the exact years. Okay. But it was, I'm just curious, just generally, yeah. just in the 60s? It was in the 60s, and it was St. Andrew's Beach. Very mm-hmm. interesting. I'll look up, I'll have to look for that story when it comes out. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's really, it, it was supposed to come out months ago, but they are, it's for Jekyll Island Authority, which is, they have a, like a magazine that comes out for the tour. Yeah. And they're like, we're waiting for the tourists to show up. And we're like, well, good luck with that. <laughs> so yeah. it's pushed back a few times, but I'm hoping it'll finally come out because it was, I mean, it was so cool. I got to go through the, like the black publications and I found all of these old um, advertisements for the beach and, you know, all of these really great um, parts of history. It was really fun. No, that sounds that sounds like a, that sounds like a good one. Um, are there other topics that you're in, in the back of your head? Think I want to write, want here's other things I want to write about. Yeah, I mean, I'm again, I'm from here. Um, my family is from Georgia, and so I like writing those tidbits about little unknown facts about the city or about culture and and, and um, history in the city. I have another piece on. Um, dance in Atlanta, the history of like dance when it comes to like urban dance here. Um, wrote that in February. It still hasn't come out. So I like writing pieces like that. Um, yeah. But also you can see how the pandemic has pushed back some of my work. It's pushed back a lot of things. I know. Yeah. Are, you, are you looking at uh, kind of virtual entertainment, how, how uh, musicians yeah. might not have kind of shifted online and that kind of thing? Yeah, I think, you know, I, we... As we, you know, it looks like maybe we could be doing this for a while, you know, some of those stories I wrote early on, I don't want to recreate it because we're already, we're kind of used to it now. And so I did write a lot of those stories about Instagram live shows and things like that early on. Um, And I've covered a few of them as recently as maybe two, three weeks ago for Billboard. Um, But I also have been looking at alternative performance ideas. So I wrote a piece for Atlanta Magazine a few weeks ago, maybe two weeks ago. Um, about a series called Parking Lot Concerts, where um, a group of artists, well, a, a management company has hired some artists, you know, from within the city to perform in a parking lot concert. And theoretically, the people are supposed to stay in their cars and watch the concert from their cars. Now, do sure. people actually stay in their cars? No. But yeah. that's the concept of being able to safely watch a live show. Yeah. Who's it? Was it Garth Brooks who's doing like a drive in? Concert. It was a. It was a urban did one. Yeah, it was. It was. It wasn't like in person. It was like 
on screen. Oh, was it? it? Okay, okay. Yeah, okay. it's like you, you you drive into the drive-in at Starlight or something, sit and watch oh. the Garth Brooks concert or okay, some, okay, some such something like that. Yeah, Keith Urban did one. I want to say in Tennessee for um, essential medical workers, where he um, he performed. He was there in person, but they sat in their cars and were right, 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 right. All right, so so now we get to the hardest question in the interview here. What's the coolest thing about you? Well, I mean, I think one of the things that makes me a really good reporter on culture here in Atlanta, again, is that not only am I from here, but my mom's from here, my grandma's from here, my great, like I have generations of family from here. And so I really use my family a lot to mine for stories. <laughs> That's um, great. It, and, and it's fun. And I think we're such a transplant city that that's, rarer than I think people might think being able to have that access to history um and I probably get on my family's nerve doing it nerves doing it but it's it's a lot of fun to be able to you know I, I think of the stories that my mom told me when I was younger about her childhood in Atlanta or the things that she used to do and how much I just did not care about it because I was a typical kid right and now that I'm older I'm like well you didn't tell me that that's the same place where you know Dallas Austin was hanging out or what, you know, and she's like, Oh, now you care. And I'm like, yeah. It's a really great um, thing to be able to tap into those aspects of history in that way. So, uh, so you said you've got uh, a pretty good sized family here in town. They're smaller. Now we had a really big family. Unfortunately, my mom is the youngest um, of eight and her older sister is 17 years older than her. Wow. So Unfortunately, a lot of her siblings have died, and we sure. kind of handle yeah. it now. But all my family's here. Mm -hmm. Cool, cool. Yeah, me too. Most of mine, most of mine are here too. All right. So uh, let's see. So I, I usually ask, like, what's the last cool book you've read? But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and say, what's behind you on the table? Because I see a couple of books there to your left. Oh, um, so these are actually Billboard magazine. So this one is. Um, the American Dream 21 Saturday was my first cover that I was a part of. So um, I co-wrote it with Gail Mitchell when he was detained by um, ICE um, last February. I um, reported a good bit for NPR, Billboard, um, and some <clears throat> other publication, Atlanta Magazine on that story. And so this was a good one because it was my first cover story. That was a really big deal for me. Cool, so cool. I have that there. And then I also on this side, I have the 1619 Project from the New York Times. New York Times, yep. And then um, a bunch now, of what's, books. What's in, the, what's in the frame there? Oh, my mom actually did this. She framed a few of my articles. So one of them is a cover from Atlanta Magazine. It wasn't a true cover, but I wrote about St. Beauty and they ended up on the cover. Um, there's a piece that I, there's two pieces that I wrote for the Hollywood Reporter, one on Letitia Wright, she was the sister in Black Panther. Right, and she right. also won her, she, I'm sorry, she was nominated for her first Emmy for an episode she did of Black Mirror. And then the other one is on a show I did, um, it's a, a, on a documentary that I covered called Minding the Gap which looked at um, kind of abuse through uh, skate, skateboard culture. So, yeah. All right. All right. So um, favorite restaurant that you wish you could go to and sit and eat in person? Um, I really miss burgers. So if I could go to Bocato or like a one-year stag and get a burger, I'd be really happy. All right. Favorite getaway. Where, where, where do you like to go to get away? 
You know, I've been thinking about that a lot because I'm like, I really wish I could go on a getaway. Um, I think in normal times, my mom started off taking me to Helen and kind of like on a cabin getaway, yeah. maybe nine years, 19 years ago. Um, and so that's always a fun one. All right. Um, let's see. Favorite guilty hobby. Guilty pleasure. Favorite guilty pleasure. Favorite guilty pleasure. That's a good question. Um, I watch really, like, I don't know if they're weird, but I don't know that they're necessarily supposed to be entertaining, but I watch, like, interesting videos on YouTube. Um, like, I watch, <laughs> I'm not vegan, I'm not even vegetarian, sometimes I'll eat plant-based, but I watch a lot of vegan recipes, and right. usually I'm, like, eating a huge burger, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting, like, I'm watching this <laughs> and my friends are like, this doesn't make sense, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't know. But it's a good like, burger. It's a good oh, wait, wait, uh, so tell me about your, uh, your new newsletter. I can't, can't oh, forget that. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. I came out with a newsletter. I guess I've, I'm on my third issue now. Um, it's called Ask Told 2. It's on Substack. So you can get to it by going to jewelwicker.substack.com. Um, or if you look up, look me up on Twitter, it's there too. My Twitter is jewelwickershow. Um, but I started this newsletter because I wanted a place, you know, like I said, I started out in media with a blog. And so I haven't had my own place on the internet and since I started professionally and I kind of missed it. Um, and so I started this newsletter to kind of write about entertainment, media. You know, I tweet a lot about what's going on in the media, what's going on in music and entertainment in Atlanta. And so this was a place for me to be able to write about those thoughts um, in newsletter form. I also suggest new songs and podcasts that I'm listening to, new books, um, and so I read a lot um, of articles and also books. And so I try to recommend every other Wednesday it comes out. I try to recommend some of the best things that I've listened to or, or read. Cool. So I, I always encourage people to kind of be very diverse in their, uh, you know, what they're, what they're reading and where they're getting their news. Where, where do you, oh, yeah, yeah. what do you, what do you look at every day in terms of news? Where are you getting your, your updates? Oh, I mean, I get my news from a lot of different places. And I think probably like a lot of reporters, we follow a lot of other reporters who also get their news from a bunch of different places. And so on any given day, I'm reading from a bunch of different um, newsletters, but also traditional publications, um, newspapers, magazines, digital publications. Like I said, I read a lot. I mean, I, I really, it just runs the gamut. Cool. cool. Uh, we've been talking with Jewel Wicker, a freelance journalist here in Atlanta. It covers culture and entertainment on music. Uh, Jewel, we appreciate your being with us. And uh, folks, tune in uh, hopefully next week, maybe the week after. I'm going camping for a couple of days, so I might be delayed. But, uh, yeah, let's uh, look for another edition of our Four Questions Journalist Spotlight. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.